The following program, the Acunet Mortgage and Realty Show, is paid for in full by Acunet Mortgage, LLC, an equal housing lender, consumeraccess.org, number 255-368. The advice and opinions expressed during the Acunet Mortgage and Realty Show are solely that of the hosts and guests of Acunet Mortgage, LLC, and not WTMJ or Good Karma Brands. Welcome to the Acunet Mortgage and Realty Show, getting you inside information on buying, selling, and financing your home with expert advice from Acunet Mortgage and Realty. And now, here's Brian Wickert and Tim Holtman. Welcome to the Acunet Mortgage and Realty Show. I'm Brian Wickert, the licensed real estate broker with Acunet Realty Advisors and the majority owner of Acunet Mortgage, along with my son-in-law, Tim Holden, who's one of our top senior loan consultants at The Mortgage Company. Good morning, Tim. Good morning, Brian. Hey, if you got a question or a comment, remember you can call or text us on the Old National Bank Talk or Text Line, which is 855-616-1620, Old National Bank, get old. And you can also grab a podcast of today's show or any of our past shows wherever you normally get your podcast. So, Tim, uh, mortgage rates continue to inch upward. Yes, yes, indeed. uh, Our favorite mortgage rate uh, publishing site is Mortgage News Daily. They reported a benchmark rate of, are you ready? Eight. Oh, 0.03% on a 30-year fix. That's crossed into the land of 8%. Ocho or snowman, whatever you want to call it. It's the score you don't want to get when you're a golfer. Uh, (laughs) Let alone a seven. That was bad enough. But anyway, uh, and that's with 40% down, excellent credit, and all the other right stuff. Uh, That's higher, by the way, than the 7.63% that Freddie Mac published last Thursday for the 30-year. And that's because Freddie Mac... You know, who used to be the kind of go-to weekly rate number. Well, they switched things up about a year ago. Uh, they no longer report how many points or uh, how much interest you pay in advance. Plus, gotcha. they're reporting a three-week lagging average, oh, which yeah. is horrible. Well, when markets are this volatile, that's exactly. like not anywhere close to accurate. I that's believe right. three weeks ago you could get a 7.6. Exactly. <laughs> so so uh, it's Mortgage News Daily who, guess what, updates their rate that uh, they post daily. daily. Yeah. Uh, is the more accurate in this case. Uh, if you were coming to low overhead Acunet Mortgage at the end of the week, uh, we're going to talk about a customer that you've got cooking, uh, Tim. Uh, this is on a $525,000 purchase with just 25% down. Um, we could deliver 7.875 uh, with 7.89 APR Not because there'd be no yeah. points. So that's, uh, that's, you know, as usual, we're a little better than the average bear. And that's what yep. West Town... So I was talking to a customer, and I'm sure we, we, you were talking before we started the show. You've got a, a good antidote. Oh, yeah. We'll, we'll get into in that. In this sure. environment. But yeah. I was talking to a past client who is looking to buy another property in Hilton Head. Oh, so he's nice. a Wisconsin resident. He owns one vacation home in Hilton Head, and he's looking to buy another one. Mm, interesting. And he's down there looking, and A, there's nothing for sale. <laughs> okay. But... His question is so, like, Brian, is the Fed going to raise rates? Oh, by the way, the Fed meets again on November 1st, mm-hmm. and there's like a 99.6% chance that they're going to do nothing, nothing right. again. Right. And the reason is the market's doing the heavy lifting for them. Yeah. Rates it, are going up. They don't need to raise the rate anymore, <laughs> at least not in the short term. Exactly. Yeah. And so his question was, when are they going to come back down? And we had a company meeting this week where I showed the forecast from Fannie Mae. Yeah, that was funny. The forecast from the beginning of this year. For the beginning yeah. of 2023 was <laughs> that rates would be down to near 6. Yeah, like 6.1 or by something. By this time, you know, in the fourth quarter. Yeah. 
coming up soon. What I would what I would do for a six point one oh, exactly. rate right now. <laughs> and so what's changed is that all of the Fed's rate raising campaign has not yet had the desired effect. Right. The desired effect. Well, and remember, folks, the real enemy here is inflation, mm -hmm. right? Price creep year over year because the enemy of interest rates is inflation. It eats away at your fixed rate of return. Right. You know, if inflation is running at 5% and you're lending money at 6 yeah. you're really only making 1% Correct. by the time you get your money back. Right. And so that's why the Fed is hell-bent for leather on lowering inflation. Mm -hmm. And the reports on that front are pretty are good. Fairly decent uh, as of lately, yeah. But what's not happening is job market is still robust mm -hmm. and consumers are spending. People are still spending like gangbusters. Like gangbusters. <laughs> and so it's like, wait a minute, isn't that going to reignite inflation? Oh, that's the fear. And that's why I think, you know, uh, the it's a 99 point whatever percent consensus that they're not going to raise rates November 1st. But the percent of likelihood that they might raise rates in a future meeting that actually has gone up uh, lately, I've, I've read, Correct. Yeah. because it's like you said, it's that fear of what is it? What's going to happen in the future? You know, are we doing enough long term to keep Fed that chair down? Powell also uh, gave a talk this last week and kind of said it's uncertain. Right. We don't know what's going to happen. Right. All right. So so the takeaway is that uh, rates are creeping up on the fear that inflation may reignite. So what I told this customer is rates won't come back down until. We get some signs that, A, the job market's cooling off right. and consumer spending is cooling off. All right. So if that were to happen, that would be like, oh, okay, maybe it is is cooling off. Yeah. And we have to continue to get inflation readings, and there are two per month. The PCE, personal consumptions expenditures, which we think is the better measurement, and the other one, which we just got recently, was the consumer price index. Mm -hmm. we got to continue to have a book of those, a string of those that show that inflation is continuing yeah, to go down. Going in the right direction. Not going up. Right. And we need those other economic indicators. Right. In the meantime, in uh, a, an era where rates are in the high sevens at best and, and for some cases in the eights, what can we do yeah. to help home shoppers? We still got ideas. Folks. We got ideas. Tim is telling me he's had several conversations about our best antidote for home shoppers in this current environment. We're going to cover that when we come back. You're listening to the Accident Mortgage and Realty Show on AM 620 WTMJ. Home buying advice from the guys who know it best. This is the AccuNet Mortgage and Realty Show with Brian Wickert on WTMJ. Welcome back and thanks for tuning in today. So uh, in the first segment, we noted that, uh, gosh darn it, uh, rates are going in the wrong direction. And luckily, though, we do have a tool that can help. And normally, you would think that an adjustable rate mortgage would be the go-to uh -huh. uh, antidote for high fixed rate. Tim, why are adjustable rates uh, absent from the toolbox? Well, there's probably a couple of reasons, but the reason that I hear most from my customers is like, honestly, people are still relatively risk averse oh. and would just prefer the security 
of a fixed rate mortgage. Okay, but uh, let me jump in with the why they're not even an well, the, option the, that we're the, offering. Yeah, also the pricing of them is bad, which, which is, I think, okay. what you're going to jump so into. So adjustable yeah. rate mortgages uh, are shorter term, and if you're the investor, right, hey, I only have to lock in the rate for five, seven, or ten years right. before I can adjust it. Well, the problem, folks, right now is that the short end of the interest rate spectrum, if you look at the interest rate, and I wish I would have pulled it up here before this segment, but I'm going to say like a three-month uh treasury bill you can probably get at about 5.3 or 5.4 a 10 a 10 year is like 4.98 so short-term rates are higher than long-term rates and that's why banks don't want to put adjustable rate mortgages in their portfolio yeah at least not at a significantly lower interest rate because they're not going to make any money they're going to put them at the same rate basically as a 30-year fixed and then why take the risk as a consumer. Yeah, All right. what, what I say is the juice is not worth the squeeze. That's right. Yeah. Sorry, so what is our solution, Tim? Well, our solution, and I think you have an ad running, uh, or, or had had an ad running, we called our Inflation Buster program. It was about a year ago, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> I had someone just say that, those words to me, really? so maybe it's on our website or something okay, like yeah, that. Maybe. But in any case, it's a 30-year fixed rate loan, so not an arm. But what we can do is we create a, uh, I would call it a subsidy account, off to the side, we throw some money in there to manually lower the customer's monthly payment on the mortgage for the first year or two, uh, depending on what flavor of program they pick, uh, which is the equivalent of either a 1% or maybe even a 2% lower rate than the note rate of the mortgage um, for the beginning of the loan. So the, the logic there is that rates are probably, not guaranteed, but probably going to come down. Highly likely. I'm going to go with likely. highly likely yeah, are going like to come down in the next year or two. Year by or the way, two. Fannie yeah. Mae and Freddie Mac, or no, they, not, they not agree. Yeah, and Fann- the Mortgage Bankers Association, they agree All as well. All their economists still say, yeah, we know we were wrong. We said rates <laughs> were going to be low here by the last three really months wrong. of 2023. <laughs> yeah, we got the timing wrong. Yeah. But Rates are still going to come down. Uh, Fannie Mae's latest forecast is to come down to I think it was was it six point four. Yeah, I'll look the, that up by during the, end the next twenty twenty four. By the right. end of twenty twenty four, all yeah. right. So Which we're is wrong a, by literally a year. a year away. That's right. Uh, you know, so, so so the idea is rather than spend somebody's money to lower the rate for the entire 30 years, which is expensive. Yeah, that's the traditional, you know, pain points to lower your rate, uh, whatever, an eighth a quarter, you know. People still do that. Yeah, for sure. But this alternative is let's use that money, somebody's money, and we're gonna talk about who can pay for it in a second. Let's use somebody's money to lower the effective payment rate Yes. For a shorter but, period of time. Because yeah, you get more bang for your buck. You can lower the rate more for a shorter period of time than if you spent the same amount of money to lower the rate less, but for the entire life of the loan. Exactly. Like, yes, it is a 30-year fixed loan, folks, but even before rates were outrageous, this, this was a very common conversation all of our loan consultants have with our customers, is balancing what we call the break-even period. Do you want to invest more at closing to get a lower rate for the life of the loan? Or do you want to invest less cost at closing for a, a higher rate for the life of the loan? Because it's all about how long you're going to keep the, this particular mortgage for, right? So we still have that conversation with this new product. It's just that you're you're pouring more gas on the fire to lower your rate. In the early years. In the early years, which is what matters most. And just to be clear, 
technically we're not really lowering the rate. Correct. We're lowering the effective payment, payment rate. rate because we're putting a pool of money that, and the right name for it is a subsidy account. Yeah. That will um, subsidize in the monthly payment for the right. first. The year loan or two. servicer literally sits on this money, mm -hmm. and every month they go, "Oh, hey, if you owe, um, you were supposed to owe, um, looking twenty eight fifty four yeah, per month. We're going to lower that by five hundred dollars. Yeah, um, because of this money in this subsidy account. Yeah. Uh, and, and so the other really cool thing, though, is that if you, if and when we do refinance mm -hmm. that borrower. The money that's left over in that yeah. subsidy account, you get it back. Gets taken off their principal balance. Yeah, that's when we huge. go to refinance, so it's not wasted money. But the nice thing is, it's, it provides that immediate payment relief that is people are of, looking for. It's the pain point when rates are at eight percent, right? And so we're looking at three possibilities for people who can pay for that temporary uh, buy down subsidy account, and the mm -hmm. nominees are the <laughs> buyer. Well, that would be kind of dumb. The lender can help or wait the seller and when we come back tim we're going to look at a, a, a mm -hmm. actual customer of yours and see just how much money they might be able to crunch their payment down by using this technique you're listening to the academic mortgage and realty show on wisconsin's radio station am 620 wtmj Getting you into the home of your dreams. Here's more of the AccuNet Mortgage and Realty Show with Brian Weckert on WTMJ. We're back, and thanks for tuning in again uh, this Sunday. Uh, we're talking about antidotes to the current creepy, crawly, uh, higher mortgage rates. And we're talking about a tool in our AccuNet Mortgage Toolkit called a temporary buy-down. Uh, and so this is a 30-year fixed rate with a, mm, what should we call it, a hood ornament on the front <laughs> that allows for a lower effective payment rate during the first year or two of the loan. And right. we're talking about uh, asking the seller to pay for this. Tim, you're working with a client that's looking to buy something in the $525,000 $525, range, and they're getting a little, mm, what do you want to call it, nerdsed? Yeah, I mean, they... The, About the rising rates. They're, yeah, they're getting discouraged, which is uh, totally normal, I think, reaction. I think a lot of folks are in that same boat where it's like, oh, rates are getting so high that they're kind of pushing me out of the price range that I want to be shopping in to get the actual house that I want, right? Yep. And I don't... I still would love to not make a concession on payment and still keep that payment at least maybe within spinning distance of the goal that I want to be in, right? So this temporary rate buy-down program is a potential solution, and... As you mentioned uh, before the break, you know, the magic doesn't or the, the money doesn't magically appear, right? Someone has to pay for the money that goes into the subsidy account that lowers the effective payment rate. So the question is, who's going to pay for it? Uh, to quote uh, our, our beloved colleague, Jerry Sirkatich, uh, I think we all agree that the buyer ideally would not like to pay for this Correct. program. Right, so right. the idea that I've been coming up with as a way to maybe take advantage of a silver lining change in the market softening softening, the softening of, of the, the market because you got to figure folks that as rates have gone up you yeah, know over the last competition for four weeks yeah, yeah some buyers are dropping out yeah and so you know listings even though we had more listings in mm -hmm. september uh, which is a good thing. Yeah. Those are sitting on the market a little bit yeah. longer. Sellers might be starting to get a little nervous about you know their houses sitting uh, and might be willing to entertain what we call a seller credit. Right. right? So the way I describe it to my customers that hey, if you were going to pay say five twenty, offer five twenty. Offer five twenty five, but then ask for a five thousand dollars seller credit in return. Well, what could you do with that? Too? Yeah, 
the seller nets the same amount of proceeds, but you can use that five grand towards funding this temporary rate buy-down program, which on the loan size that I was talking about with my customer, that would save them $268 a month, Brian, for the first year of mortgage Whoa. payments, which is, that's real money in the bank. Yeah. And that makes them comfortable. It kind of gives them a year. Exactly. So that's where we suppress the effective payment rate by 1%. So let's give you some actual numbers. Let's say uh, on the particular day, we could have given them 7.875 on a 30-year fixed rate, uh, you know, normal, nothing fancy to right. it. Yep. Okay, door number two is we say, hey, you know, or, I'm sorry, yeah, door number two, the first alternative is, you know what, we'll make it an effective payment rate of 6.875 for yeah. the first year. Nice. So you got 12 months at that. And then... In, in years two through yeah. 30, if we don't refinance yeah. you by then, you're at 7875. Right. And that's the other nice thing about this compared to an arm is that you are you know what the quote-unquote worst-case rate is going to be. You know it's never going to go up from 7.875. That's right. In the unlikely event that you keep the mortgage long enough, because as we mentioned, the Mortgage Bankers Association, Fannie Mae, they, they think rates are going to be below 6.8 by this time next year anyway. So at which point I'll be calling my customer to refinance yeah, or they'll mortgage. be calling us one way or the other. Yeah. And then the other alternative we have that costs about $10,000 in this example, this is a 520, oh, by the way, I should say the APR, the annual percentage rate uh, on a regular 30-year fixed rate, as I mentioned earlier in the show, is 7.89 for this one where we can temporarily suppress the effective payment rate for the first year, the annual percentage rate is 8.003. Right. It's it's more cost, but the the trick is the seller is really the one paying. And then yeah, cost. the seller is paying for it and yeah. we're not yeah, we're not accounting for that in our APR calculation. We're giving you the worst case. Mm -hmm. And then another alternative is we could give the buyer, this is for at a cost of $10,000, so you'd be asking the seller to chip in 10 grand uh, towards uh, the closing costs on the loan, right. which is going to go to fund that temporary buy-down subsidy account, uh, that would be 5.99 for the first year. That's pretty great. Then yeah. 6.99 for the second year. Still not bad. <laughs> and it doesn't go into 7.99 until, until year that three. third year. Yeah. So this is a conversation we need to have mm -hmm. with uh, your loan consultant at Acunet, yeah. uh, along with your real estate agent. Yeah. And, and Yeah, go ahead. Well, the only other detail I mentioned is that because the the real estate market has been so strong this last year, the the home values are there to support maybe offering a little bit above what you were going to offer. You mm -hmm. know, so I don't think there's a lot of risk for a low appraisal. Take advantage of this robust housing market we've been in in the last year. The comps are going to support you likely offering a little bit above. And you may and, not and have to do that. No. Because remember, the, the listing price is a made-up number. Right. And so that's where you need your good buyer's agent to... Um, help you understand, hey, can I offer right at their asking price and ask for a $5,000 mm -hmm. seller credit or a $10,000 seller credit? You know, can I get away with that? Yeah. All right, you know what? When we come back, let's talk about uh, some big potential changes yeah. around the economics and specifically affecting your buyer's agent, yeah. the real estate Re agent that's working Realtors, with the Realtors, tune in. This is important. And right now, it's time to turn it over to the 24-hour newsroom. Don't break the bank to get into a house. Back to the AccuNet Mortgage and Realty Show with Brian Wickert on WTMJ. Welcome back, and thanks again for tuning in to today's show. So at the end of, uh, right before the news, we were talking about uh, this thing called a temporary buy-down uh, that can help. And you know what we forgot to say, Tim, is that uh, in that 
uh, example where the borrower and home buyer can enjoy a 5.99 rate for the first year, that payment on a $393,000 loan would be $494 less than good. what the rate would be at 7.875. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, in that second year of that loan, they would have an effective payment rate that would be $268 less uh, than the 7.875. And then in year three, the whole idea being that, hey, sometime during that first two years, Probably not going to. We're going to have an opportunity to refinance you if all the bright minds in the world of economics are correct. But then your worst case is that, um, you know, it's a 7.99 right. for the last 28 years alone. Mm -hmm. So effective, not the best thing to describe on the uh, radio. You know, we have a nice spreadsheet <laughs> where we show people this. Yeah, this uh, is a, a visual thing yeah, visual. for sure. Screen sharing. So if you're curious, call us. We'll share our screens with you and we can give you some examples. But uh, what, I, what I mentioned is that it, it, we're trying to get the seller to pay for this right. in a softening real estate market. Yeah. And I said, well, you need a really good buyer's agent. Uh, to help you understand, is this particular property that I'm about to write an offer on, you know, how is it priced for the listing price? Because remember, that's a made-up number. Yep. And so I used the word buyer's agent, and in Wisconsin in particular, we have a legal thing called buyer's agency right? where uh, you can sign as a home buyer a buyer's agency agreement that binds that real estate agent to put your interest above all others, including their own. Okay, they have to. Their job then is to get you the house at the lowest price, mm -hmm. under best the best terms. terms. That's yep. right, and to always put their interests and the seller's interest above yours as the buyer. That's a cool thing, uh, and that's different. Whereas the listing agent always they're trying has to get the a, seller the best deal. They have a fiduciary responsibility to the seller right. to get the seller the best terms and highest price. All right, so in Wisconsin and throughout the country, interestingly, you when you're a buyer. You don't have to directly stroke a check no, you to do your not. buyer's agency. And that's because the National Association of Realtors, for a long, long time, I don't know if it's 30 years or 50 years, yeah. they've had a requirement that, okay, if you're a member of the National Association of Realtors and you are a listing broker, you have to offer compensation to the buyer's agent. From the seller to, yes, to any cooperating broker who brings in a buyer. So we've been, you know, the whole time that Akinet's been alive and before that, that is the economic um, environment in which real yeah, estate has. It's been is. the modus operandi Correct. for a long time. So now, in, now along comes 2022 and 2023, and there are two federal class action lawsuits mm. filed by, in one case, a bunch of home sellers in oh, Missouri Okay. that said, you know what? We should not have had to have paid the buyer's agent fee. And so in a lot of, let's say you as a, as a home seller list your home and you agree to pay a 5% commission. In most parts of the country, then that would get divided in half. Right. The listing broker would get 2.5 and whatever yeah. broker finds the buyer and that's the two, other 2.5. That's two and a half percent of the sale price. Of the folks. sales so price. Like, that's a big chunk of change. It's a big number. Yeah. And so a bunch of attorneys got together and said, you know what? We think that's a violation of this old law called the Sherman Act, the Antitrust mm. Act. Hmm. Okay. And what's happened so far is that they've succeeded even before they went to trial with having some very large real estate companies, one of them Remax. 
Heard of them. Yep. Settled for $55 million. Whoa. Another one, um, Anywhere Real Estate, used to be called Rheology. And I, I got to see who their brands are. I'll mm. look that up on the next break. They settled for $85 million. Okay. Keller Williams is still defending it. So still is fighting it. Yeah. Home Services of America, okay. which locally owns uh, First Weber. Mm. Uh, so they're still fighting it. The National Association of Realtors is still fighting it. Sure. What this means is that, well, if, if they succeed, oh, by the way, the Justice Department is also issue, interested in this mm. concept of, yeah, maybe, maybe the seller shouldn't be paying for the buyer's agent right. commission. Well, is, if they don't, yeah, who's going to, who's going to, yeah, that's the big, are, are buyers. And this is the national association of realtors, uh, and also the mortgage bankers are like, Hey, buyers can't afford no. in this market. To be paying two and a half percent cash out of their pocket, especially in this market where they're already getting squeezed Stretched. on rates and closing costs and things of that Correct. down payment requirements, you know. And so it it may evolve into one of two things: the buyer. Remember how we just said, "Hey, seller, pay for ten thousand dollars of my mm -hmm. closing costs in order to." fund my temporary buy-down account, yep. maybe they're just going to have to write offers that say, oh, and by the way, seller, we would like you to pay our buyer's agent fee. Sure, you have to make of, it. So it would no longer be assumed. You actually have to You'd write, have to it, write it in. Yeah. But remember, when you're getting a mortgage, there are limits mm. to the amount of money that the seller can the seller assist with. Yeah. And right now, well, you know what? We're out of time. Let's talk about that when we come back. Plus, I've got a divorce uh, a call to re-educate people on when we come back. You're listening to the Accident Mortgage and Realty Show on AM620 WTMJ. Important home buying questions and answers you can count on. This is the Acunet Mortgage and Realty Show with Brian Wickert on WTMJ. Thanks again for tuning in to today's show. I'm Brian Wickert, the elder, older, the older elder, and that is uh, Tim Holdman over there, our senior loan consultant, uh, my son-in-law, father of my grandchildren, husband of my daughter, all of those things. <laughs> how do you like that? And uh, we were just talking about how uh, there are some lawsuits going on right now that could significantly change the landscape of how uh, real estate broker compensation works yeah. and the problem that it's going to create, which is, you know, everything's kind of smooth right now. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The buyer, the most part, yeah. buyer gets representation from their buyer's agent as long as they sign a buyer's agency agreement. That gets it's actually built into the price of the house. Yeah. If you want to think about. Well, it. and and you know when I do my uh, consulting with first-time home buyers, especially, and this is something we've said, you know, like you said, ever since the acumen started. There's no downside for you as a buyer to get your own buyer's agent, right. to get your own representation, because you don't have to pay them. It comes out of the seller's proceeds. The seller pays them. That's always been the talk track of you should get your own person advocating for you Yep, that's separate from the other realtor that's advocating solely for the benefit of the seller. And by the way, that's different in different states. Right. In that's other true. states, yeah, everybody's supposed to be neutral. Really? In Minnesota? Really? You're just, everybody's yeah, getting along. Those nice Minnesotans. I don't believe that. But <laughs> at any rate, uh, the, the problem is uh, that a bunch of home sellers have gotten together, filed a class action, class action lawsuit and said, We've been ripped off. We should not have had to pay those buyer's agency fees. We would like a billion dollars. And they're getting <laughs> settlements from major yeah. real estate brokerages. Yeah. One thing that happened, I think it was on October 13th, uh, the National Association of Realtors changed their long, long, long standing rule and said, oh, you know what? You can list the home for sale and you do not, Mr. Listing Agent, have to offer mm. any compensation to a broker yeah. who brings you a buyer. 
But then that brings up the question of who's going to pay them. The yeah, natural what? party would be the buyer. And I think what the Justice Department is interested in is maybe this is going to create some price competition. Oh, okay. Because apparently in the modern world, America's system is the only one that works like this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> in, in other countries, you know, I'm not sure if it's, you know, say Western European countries, it doesn't work like this. Okay. If you but, want to sell a house in Norway, it's a yeah. different uh, arrangement. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Right. All right. What, what do you think the long-term Im implications of this lawsuit could possibly be? Or, or, I know it's just speculation at this point, but uh, I think it's going to be a difficult transition for buyers. Okay. And sure. that, you know, ultimately buyers don't have any spare change. It's hard enough to no. get the money together for a down payment. Now you want me to pay 2.5% of the purchase price for my buyer's agent. Not gonna It'll happen. probably create price competition. And that's what the justice department probably wants yeah, to see. For sure. Okay. All right. So now I got a call from a, a referral from a financial advisor and the only kind of refinances that are going on right now, Tim, are divorces. Pretty or, much. Do you have yeah. any other kind of refinances? Uh, the only other less rare, but still, you know, uh, possible occurrences. If you have a very small first month, oh balance yeah. or free and clear property uh cash out refinances in those senses do still make sense right especially if it's a large cash out amount because generally doing that on a fixed rate is still more stable than doing that all on a HELOC uh, home with, a, with a variable rate actually, okay yeah. so in this particular situation are um not yet filed for divorce okay okay and that's the it. that's kind of the important uh because that gives us more options yeah more flexibility right more flexibility and so he's got let's say a mortgage of two hundred thousand dollars on a property that's worth 500 okay so there's three hundred thousand dollars of equity there and what does he have to do he's got to compensate his future ex-wife if right. he wants to hold on to the house right. whoever wants to hold on the house yeah. usually to the tune of half of the exact equity yeah. unless you have a prenup of some other description yeah. right so he's got to give her 150 grand and then it's all about investment and retirement accounts you got to split mm. those up as well right so um the question was can i afford to do this can i afford to stay mm. in my house yeah. with the larger mortgage that you're about to have and guess well. what his rate is on his 15-year fix oh on a 15-year yeah. uh probably something with a two in front of yep, it yep 2.625 yeah. and so of course he called his mortgage servicer and said hey is there any way i can keep that you know <laughs> a modify that or assume the loan they said nope now yeah and so that's nine times out of ten the answer yeah. Right. No, you can't. Right. Because that loan has been pooled with hundreds of others and is part of a mortgage backed security that somebody's getting the interest on where they probably wouldn't mind getting paid off so they could reinvest that money at, at a, a higher, higher rate. rate. Exactly. Uh, so so the hard part is, does he does he just refinance the balance that he has, in which case he would have to give his future ex-wife even more mm. uh, of his assets? Right. Does he pull cash out? Or does he sell the home to get the um, the full equity out? The yeah. equity out, and then doesn't have to worry about that. One other complicating factor is there is a 16-year-old child. Mm, okay, so there's going to be some child support. That right, so that automatically means that there's going to be child support. Let's pick up on this and yeah. uh, tell you tell you what I ended up telling him uh, right after this. You're listening to the Accident Mortgage and Realty Show on Wisconsin's radio station AM 620 WTMJ. Find a place to call home. 
without the headache. This is the AccuNet Mortgage and Realty Show with Brian Wickard on WTMJ. Welcome back, and thanks again for tuning into this week's show. So talking about a divorce situation, and there are three periods of time uh, when you could do a refinance related to a divorce. Period number one is before the divorce uh, papers are filed. Right. At which point it's, it's just, a, just maybe. a refinance. It's just yeah. a maybe divorce, yeah. right? Yeah. The second period is I filed for divorce, but I don't have my money agreement called the marital settlement agreement or MSA done yet. Right. That is the period of time which we call the, you're in the penalty box and you can't do anything. Why is yeah. that? Why can't we do something in the middle of a divorce? Well, from if you look at it from the underwriter's perspective, it makes sense. The MSA, the marital settlement agreement, that is the document that decides what debts you're obligated on, what debts you're not obligated on. Are you going to pay any sort of monthly maintenance or child support or alimony? And also, you know, uh, how much money do you have to give your soon-to-be ex-spouse? Until that MSA is finalized and approved by the court and approved by the court, we can't approve the mortgage because we don't really know the full picture of that person's finances right. post-divorce. We don't know what your monthly obligations yeah. are going to be, yeah. and we got to make sure you can afford the mortgage. Exactly. We can get the ball rolling. We can get the appraisal done on the house. Yeah. We can start an application, but we are not getting loan approval and closing <laughs> until, until that, that MSA is done. And then the third time, uh, third period of time is once the MSA is the marital settlement agreement is approved by the court, then we can close. Your divorce doesn't have to be final. Right. We just have just to have the, the final marital settlement agreement. Correct. All right. So the problem in this uh, gentleman's case is if we wait, we know in the state of Wisconsin, you're going to pay 17% of your gross income in child support, which in his case is like $1,500. Okay. That's like a car payment. Yeah. That's like a, nice a car giant payment. car. Yeah, yeah. A really nice car payment. And, and therefore, that is going to mm, hamper his ability to pull more pull money out and pay his ex-wife's you know half of the equity and so in the end um i emailed him and said you know first i laid off the three things hey we could yeah. do it now ahead of time that has some pluses and minuses right we could do it later i think you should sell in his particular circumstance i think they should probably sell the house because it's a bigger house than they need sure anyway. especially if it's just him who would be the only one there correct after the fact. and then they both get their equity out of it then they can divide their other assets you know 50 50 down the middle whatever they have yep. to do it's yep. not uh, influenced by what they're doing with the home equity sure and sure. and unfortunately then you know they got to find another place for you know to live inside the school district so that you know all that stuff but yeah that's gonna that's the best practical advice hey one other quick story about a customer who just closed um and now wants to remodel his basement. He sold oh. his other house. This is uh, Russ and Julie, who we helped. They were the subject of one of our radio oh, yeah. ads. And uh, they're very happy. We were able to get them a bridge loan so they didn't have to sell their first their existing home first. They got their accepted offer on the first try. Awesome. Oh, this is another one with a property-specific. Um, appraisal waiver. Yeah, nice. appraisal waiver. We don't need no stinking appraisal. But then he's like, okay, Brian, so now I got all this cash from the sale of my home, and I want to remodel my basement. Should I get a home equity line of credit or should I use my cash? Mm, and my first answer, because I'm a little rusty, I guess, I said, well, why don't you open up a home equity line of credit and then use your cash? Because the home equity line is going to be at eight, eight and a quarter, yeah. which is expensive. Right. Your cash maybe is making you four or five in a money market. Best use your case, cash. Yeah. But why was that 
not good advice and I changed my advice. Well, if you have a second lien of any kind on your property, even whether if there's a balance, yeah, or exactly. Not. Even if it's zero balance, when you go to refinance your first mortgage, that refinance instantly becomes what's called a cash out refinance. If you have to pay off a second lien and that makes the rate and pricing worse. And for anyone who's buying a house right now and closing, you're probably going to be refinancing this mortgage at some point in the next year or two. So a good revision to your advice. Use your cash. Don't open up the second mortgage because then it leaves you fully available for refinancing your first mortgage and getting the best rate possible and in the future. E even if you wanted to leave that balance out there on the home equity line of credit, the mere presence Correct. of a home equity line of credit, whether it has a balance or not, worsens the pricing on a regular, uh, what we call in the business, a rate, a and, rate term and term refi. refi. Yeah. So in his case, I was like, oh, I don't know what I was thinking, Russ, but <laughs> just use your cash. Yeah, you got do the money, what you can. Use it. Then when you get a bonus, do some more remodeling. Right. And then hopefully sometime in the next year, I'm thinking, we'll have an opportunity to refinance and uh, lower his rate. Exactly. All right. Well, that's been a fun show. Thanks again for filling in today, yeah, Tim. I appreciate for it. Me. Two weeks in a row. That's, that's right. Stuff. We got a week or two off here while the Packers have some noon games. Go but we'll be back. Yeah, go Packers. Go Packers today. Come on, we need that win. Oh, yeah. If, I mean, if you don't win against the Broncos, uh, that's a bad are, day. What are we even doing? Yep. Yeah. All right. <laughs> that's all the time we have today. Thanks again for tuning in. You've been listening to the Accident Mortgage and Realty Show on Wisconsin's radio station, AM 620 WTMJ. The proceeding was a paid program. Advice and opinions expressed during the Accident Mortgage and Realty Show are solely that of the host or guest guests of Accident Mortgage and Accident Realty Advisors and not WTMJ Radio or Good Karma Brands Milwaukee, LLC.